And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 651. Continuing our team-by-team previews for the 2024 fantasy baseball season. And we stick in, in the NL West. Team three out of five in the West as we crank through these teams. And we go to some team called the Los Angeles Dodgers, a team that likes to spend a billion dollars in an offseason, a team that just continues to be a thorn in my side. It just stinks, though, because now like, I like a lot of their players. It's not like the old days where you just hated the Dodgers. So that is a shame. In order to help me preview this team is a friend of mine, a friend that I met at FPAS. I've had the pleasure of Dairy Queens and car rides and watching them do his yearly podcast with Nick Pollock and all kinds of other great stuff. Because if you didn't really meet him there, he's a behind the scenes guy. So you probably don't really know a ton about Miles Nelson. Who you can find on Twitter at Miles Nelson at PL. He's the VP operations at PitcherList. Miles, how are we doing, my friend? Dude, it is so great to be able to do one of these with you. Uh, first of all, by the way, 651 episodes is an absolutely insane, like incredible. I don't think there's anything in my entire life except for maybe breathing that I have done 651 <laughs> times. So uh, major kudos to you on that. Um, and you. and yeah, man, I mean, first pitch Arizona is such an incredible experience because not only is it the one time a year, Nick lets me out of the cage and lets me do things and and talk to people. Um, but it's such a great experience to meet people like yourself, other members of the industry and people who love fantasy baseball, love baseball in general, and just get to interact with people and do things like go to Cracker Barrel and go to uh, Dairy Queen and yeah. just sit there and watch like the next generation of players. So uh, great to be here and great to, you know, no one else I'd want to do this with than, than the man that I've spent so much good time with at, at First Pitch Arizona. I appreciate it. Yeah, like even this is like the fun of First Pitch. Like we talk about it on a lot of shows. Ryan and I talk about it all the time, like how great it is. But like Miles, besides our car rides, our, now it's like a yearly tradition at Cracker Bro. It's just fun. Asher joined us last year. It was M- Miles, myself, Toby, and Nick. It's been a, a two-year tradition now. Dairy Queen, I couldn't go, but they brought me one because they're great guys. Um but even just like we're at a ball game and I'm sitting in this little spot where I'm supposed to talk for like a half an hour and no one shows up. So Miles just chills with me. We just watch baseball and BS about things. And it's just kind of just fun watching everything take place. It's a great place. We set out a ton of times if you can pull it off. I know there's, there's a lot of things, travel prices, whatever. If you can pull it off, it's it's one of the best. So highly recommend it. Before we get started, Miles, anything you want to talk about a pitcher list? I know there's a lot of things behind the scenes, not even what we talked about before the show, but things we talked about in Arizona, a lot of stuff um, like the new PLV stuffs out. They're, they're working mm-hmm. on more uh, handheld accessory stuff. Uh, is there anything yep. you can discuss <laughs> that you'd like to discuss on this show? Yeah, uh, you definitely teased a few of them there. I think there's uh, a lot of excitement. I think if if anyone knows anything about Nick Pollock and the work that he has done growing pitcherless to the point that we are today, it's that that man has no lack of ambition. And so with that, there are so many more ways that we're looking to grow. And I think the the two things that you'll see immediately uh, on the pitcherless website uh, by immediately, I mean with you know whenever Nick finishes his rankings and, and actually publishes them within the next few days. Um, you'll see not just his rankings of, I think he got up to the top 400 starting yep. pitchers, which is we're, that's little league, dude. We're getting into like the little league world series at that point. There's not 400. I Daniel did the math. Monty is going to be on there somewhere. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did that. Yeah, I did the math. There's not, you, there's not 400 starting pitchers in, in major league baseball. You know, I, I don't know where he's getting these guys from. Maybe he's ranking NPB pitchers. I don't know. Um, but 
Uh, you'll see those. You'll see Scott Chu's hitter rankings. Um, Rick Graham's reliever rankings are on the site. So everything you need for your early drafts. I know some people are drafting as early as uh, next weekend. We have uh, at least for, I think all the Earth Leagues are drafting by then. I don't know if you're in the no, workout. Ours is next week, and you're right. Yes, ours is next week, and you're correct. Yeah, so we've got ours, I think, next Sunday. So for people who are drafting this early in the year, we've got those rankings coming out. Um, and then our incredible director of data analytics, Kyle Bland, who is uh, him and Nick are the, the the fathers of PLV, as it were, has been working so hard this past year on iterating on PLV. Uh, we've got projections. Um, we've got, uh, you know, all new ways that we're kind of displaying what we've learned through the PLV metric, including uh, Kyle just released uh, his introduction into mistake rate. So how often pitchers throw mistake pitches, which, and how often batters can capitalize on those mistake pitches. Um, and we've got another one coming out, uh, I think either tomorrow or Friday as well. So a million different things we're working on, most of them pitching related, but obviously we cover the wide variety of fantasy baseball. So uh, when you're listening to this, you know, unless you're you're listening to it right um, as soon as it drops, which if you are, I thank, thank you. you. Bubba thanks <laughs> you. But uh, but uh, go to pitcherlist.com and you'll almost certainly see all the rankings, all the PLV stuff. It's it's um it's kind of unreal seeing seeing how the sausage gets made back here. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's why I wanted Mike Miles to talk about it here because like I get to see stuff in the Discord. I kind of hear rumors. I talk. I even have. I'm fortunate where I can talk to Nick if I need to, just on random things. I'm, um, but Miles knows all the stuff, and it's it's really impressive where the sites come from. Um, as just a guy that's kind of known the people for a while, then recording with them last year, doing things like that, just watching the whole deal, the PLV stuff. The more I learn about it, because I'm I'm a dumb dumb. I'm a caveman. Like it's it's a lot of these things are complicated. But like I've had Kyle on a few times. Uh, the pitch con where we the guys raised over sixteen thousand dollars, which is ridiculous. Um, and it's just uh, the the projections they have coming out now. There's all kinds of stuff. But every time you think it's like, okay, we got enough, like we're just gonna this is our deal, they think of more stuff. And it's just pretty, pretty kudos to the whole operation there. That uh, and the one big thing I always give Nick credit for, and Miles has a big part of this as well, because he regulates it and, and makes sure it takes place, is unlike a lot of sites, and everyone's different. Everyone at PitcherList gets paid, which is tremendous. Like that is a thing. Like it's not like retirement money is you probably a part-time gig type stuff, but hey, you're getting something for your work, which is for someone like myself that's been doing this for almost closing in on like closer to a decade than reality. Um, that wasn't a thing for at least the first half of it. Like uh, most people didn't get that. So that's a massive kudos to uh to what Nick and the and the crew you guys have always done over there. So that's my I two cents. That. Now we can lose our friendship and talk to Dodgers, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, let's have some fun with this. Before we get into the player discussion here, I always ask uh, the guests, what were your thoughts on how 2023 went as a fan? Uh, I mean, you know, you think about 2023 for the Dodgers and, and obviously one thing comes to mind and that's the pathetic showing that we had in the playoffs, um, which is sort of becoming like an annual tradition uh more or less for us these past few years uh, i mean obviously 2020 incredible year 2021 making it to the nlcs losing to the eventual uh champion braves like sure um that's 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 how it goes sometimes you know um 2022 and 2023 just sort of flaming out the way that we did um our bats looking about as you know i, I pathetic there's really no other way to put it. Like it's very disappointing and it's very tough in a sport like baseball where you can, you know, as a fan of basketball and football, 
there are fewer games. And uh, so there's fewer swings in variation. You know, typically the better team is going to win uh, a seven game series in basketball. Um, anything can happen in football, but you can see the level of preparation teams put into, into that game every Sunday with baseball. If you took any seven game, any week long stretch from any team throughout the season, you could pull a week that made last year's, I don't know, Miami Marlins or, or Kansas city Royals, or I I'm probably not even Detroit Tigers look incredible. You can find those weeks and you could find weeks where the Dodgers look terrible. And unfortunately the Dodgers happen to pick early October every, you know, these past couple of years as a time to look terrible. Um, I don't know if that's a systemic thing. A lot of people want to point to, Oh, analytics. And this team is not a real baseball team. And they're just a bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet. Um, and maybe there's something to their approach. Maybe there's something to, you know, being as patient as they are. Um, and teams just attacking them more in the postseason. I know there's some stuff written about that back in October around uh, the Dodgers just not being ready, you know, for for teams to be more aggressive in attacking them. Um, that's something that for me as a fan hurts in the moment. And then when you look back on it, you go, what more could you do? You could spend a billion dollars and get better players, and hopefully that will help <laughs> in October. But uh, it's it's in the moment in October – it, it stung like hell. And now looking back on it, it's like, that's the kind of season you want a team to have. You can't guarantee October success, but you can guarantee like we were going to have a chance at it. And we do that. And we do that every year. And that's, that's the most I can ask for as a fan. Uh, You said it very well there in the end, especially that uh, you just want to be able to contend, have a chance to go to the dance. And then you see what happens because anything can happen. Like you said, I believe the A's swept the Braves one time last year. So that just tells you everything you know about just random events taking place in baseball. Um, we saw a lot of that kind of stuff. So just have a chance to get there. You guys win like 100 games almost yearly. It's just mm-hmm. it's embarrassing at times where you're resting guys for like a whole month to get ready for the playoffs. But, um, yeah, eventually it's going to be one of those where it's going to click and it might click for like a decade, which is scary. because I do also wonder your point just there about resting players. Uh, I believe it was the 2021 season and, and uh, forgive me, you know, as a Dodger fan, the last 10 years, all kind of blur together. We've just been so good for so long. failures in the postseason. Yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> I believe it. I believe it was the 2021 season where you guys drove us all the way to that last day of the, of the regular season. Um, oh, yeah. And then, and then we go and we play each other in the NLDS because that's the, the cruelty of, of baseball, right? Is yeah. you guys become the wild card and go, Oh, great. Now we got to play that team that we're, uh, or no, did we, we were the wild card team that year. Uh, uh, yes, you I think were, so. Cause, Cause game, game five was an SF. Yep, yeah. Were. So, so you have the, a team that gets driven to the end of the season and, you know, plays well in October. Like I said, I mean, they, they fell apart against Atlanta. No shame in that. Cause Atlanta was, yeah. was the team that year. I mean, they, they were so good. Um, and I wonder how much of just being ready all season long, same thing in 2020. I mean, it's such a short season. We didn't have time to rest and fall out of that rhythm, right? You're talking, they played what 75 games in total, including the regular season, the playoffs, like that's you're in rhythm the whole time. So I wonder how much of it in 2022 and 2023 of just focusing on October, you know, we'll get there. It'll be fine. Guys, take your time off. We got an extra week off because of the new playoff format. You know, I just wonder how much of that has left the Dodgers not ready for the playoff intensity um you know thinking oh we can just flip that switch 
a lot to be said about it. Like, you know, the Super Bowl's coming up. We talk about that in the NFL, that that bye week thing. And there's, there's a lot of that going on with uh, the resting. I kind of get it. Creatures of habits. You got to stay fresh. But we'll see. At least you got the chance. You can maybe tweak it this year because you'll probably be in the same spot again this year. So we'll see how that <laughs> goes. Be. Um, let's talk about these players now. We'll talk about one the, couple, the first few players. We're already on the Dodgers, so we can avoid that. The other half of the show will be about the billion dollars spent. But um, we'll start with Mookie Betts, who this past season just put in an insane uh, season. If it wasn't for Acuna just going full video game, Betts and the next guy we'll talk about were both contending for the MVP. Betts hit 307 with 39 homers, 126 runs, 107 RBIs, did it all. Um, and right now, it, it's, he's got second base and outfield eligibility, which is pretty wild when we're looking at the NFBC format. ADP of five, so he's an early first-round pick. You kind of get to decide, you know, Carroll, Betts, Tucker, that's kind of one of the conversations had by many. What are your thoughts on Betts this year? Because that was like an, an insanely amazing season. Everyone has to kind of expect regression, but maybe there won't be. So what's your thoughts on Betts? Yeah, I mean, Mookie has been such a – consistently productive player going back uh, almost 10 seasons now. I mean, he's been routinely a top, I don't know, 10 to 20 hitter. Um, I think he had a, a season or two in Boston where like his average was low for like, he just one of those weird years, but he's just been one of those guys that you, you know exactly what you're getting from him. Um, and I think he delivered the best case scenario uh, of what he can do in any given year this past season. Um, and so I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, Hey, we're going to expect him to, to take another step forward at age 31 playing uh, a more demanding, you know, position in the field than, than what he was doing before. Um, you know, 39 home runs, 126 runs, 107 RB. I mean, 307 average. It's like, this was all of the upper limits of what Mookie Betts could do. So to sit here and, and, and draft him and then, you know, pencil in those same numbers again, probably not the the right idea right uh, but i don't think we're gonna expect a huge drop off either um and just when you think you know hey this guy is an incredible right fielder one of the best in the game um you know an excellent player for your fantasy team as an outfielder which is usually a deeper position dude goes and says no nah, it's okay I'm, I'm gonna go to the worst fantasy position generally speaking i'm gonna play second base and uh, I'm going to flash that maybe I can play shortstop and, and I don't think he played enough shortstop last year to be on anyone's uh, eligible anywhere, not even on Yahoo where you can be eligible just about any, any position if you just ask them nicely. Uh, but there is a chance with, with Gavin Lux being someone who we're not sure about his health. We're not sure about his, you know, return to form. Uh, Miguel Rojas being, I don't know. Does he even have a bat? Does he know how to swing a bat? Um, Chris Taylor's not, I just think there's more opportunities now uh, in, in 2024 for the Dodgers to continue to slide bets around. And if they want to put him at shortstop, I think 10 times is what you need to get eligibility on Yahoo. Um, you could have someone who's eligible at both middle and field positions uh, in 2024. And that's, I mean, I don't know how, valuable that is when he's already second base eligible but it just continues to add to his game uh in ways that i don't think anyone would have expected in in you know even two years ago so um yeah man it's it's really it's really hard to to sit here and say anything about mookie bets that that isn't already just proven by looking at his stat line like yep. dude's a monster uh and you can expect greatness from him and he's going to be drafted in the first round yep he's an absolute beast and his teammate's a beast as well, Freddie Freeman, who's going three picks after him, ADP of eight right now. And Freeman, like I mentioned, these two guys put up MVP seasons. Freeman at 331 
That is four straight seasons of 300 or better and seven of his last eight of 300 or better, which is just insane. Uh, 29 homers, 23 steals, a career high. Uh, the runs, the RBIs, you name it, he did it. Just a masterful season by Freddie Freeman in year two in L.A. So what are you thinking in 2024? For, I just want to say, first of all, I, I think the two two non-fantasy uh, related comments about Freddie Freeman. Number one, is there – when's the last time you could think of a side of the infield as dominant as Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts? I mean, are we going back to like Jeter, time. A-Rod, Yankees, left side of the infield when you have to Maybe. like – I mean, these guys are both future Hall of Famers if they continue on their current trajectories. Like, yep. I, I'm sure there's other – infields that we're not thinking of are, are you know i just posed this question four seconds ago but it's like i i don't know how much better you could ask when you can you know you could say realistically you have the best first baseman and the best second baseman in baseball and i know there's a jose altuve and i know that matt olson there's these other guys but i'll take freddie and mookie um and with freddie i just i don't know if everyone else feels this way freddie freeman is the like number one batter that i never wanted to see up at the plate when i was when he was a brave like if you could give me anyone in baseball and I could like anyone that I would not want to see Freeman was number one above the Bryce Harper's above Mike Trout. Even there's just something about like, he's so unflappable. It's like, the, you can't do anything to shake him. Uh, and that always terrified me. And now it makes me excited to see him as a Dodger. So I don't, I don't know if you feel that same way about Freeman, you know, when he comes up against your giants, but it's, oh, I don't it, want to see him. The dude's like one, he's like a, he's a, nah. I don't know how to phrase this right without offending people. We'll never have another Tony Gwynn, but he's probably one of the closer versions of Tony Gwynn we've seen in a long time. Where So what you're saying is the dude can hit lefties, the dude can hit righties, the dude can slap it wherever he wants if he wants a base hit. It's not. That's why there's a time like he hit second for the Dodgers. And it's just, it, it's just ridiculous what he can do at the plate. So I get what you're saying. Trust me, I totally get what you're saying. And he's going to hit second this year. Uh, Dave Roberts came out at FanFest and said the lineup is going to be Betts 1, Freeman 2, Otani 3. Um, and by the way, that means Will Smith is almost certainly going to bat fourth. He's almost entirely batted fourth, uh, throughout his career, uh, or, or sorry, fourth or third throughout his career. So there's your top four right there. And what does that say about run and RBI potential? Yeah, you've got many. those guys behind you. You've got Mookie in front of you. Um, Freeman is what Freeman did last year across the board, I think is more or less replicable. Um, you know, 29 home runs. He's more or less lived in that mid twenties to low thirties throughout his entire career. Um, dating back to 2016. Uh, he's never been, he had one season at 21 and he had one season at 38 and everything else has sort of been in that, uh, 25 to 34 range. Um, runs and RBIs. I think we can, pen, we can easily pencil in over a hundred of both and, and runs. I mean, he's going to score, uh, at least 110 times, if not more. Um, I think the biggest question mark, is that 23 stolen bases. Can you get 23 stolen bases again from Freddie Freeman? And I actually think that you can. Uh, Freeman did not get 23 stolen bases because he's the fastest guy. Uh, he's not reliant on foot speed as a 33-year-old first baseman last season to, to get those stolen bases. He is a very smart base runner. He's very opportunistic. And, I, and he clearly wants to run. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think he got 23 stolen bases last year. Cause the Dodgers were like, green light, green light. Let's keep it going, dude. Like, I think he's one of those guys that when he sees an opportunity, he takes it. And I don't see why he wouldn't do that again in 2024, unless, unless having Otani and Smith behind him makes him go, okay, maybe I shouldn't take that chance. But I mean, he was 23 out of 24 last year. It's not like he's getting thrown out when he takes those chances. So I, 
23 may be high, but 15 certainly should be doable. 100%. I, and I, I agree with that. Like 23, the dude has like obviously career high. Like I said, like he's never done that. But 15, I could see that, especially in this new atmosphere of stealing bases. So maybe exactly. he hits 30 home runs. He got 30, 15 with 230 runs and RBIs combined. And like I said, the biggest thing with him is that 300 batting average. It's so hard to find in baseball these days. It's just like Bloomfield is like engraved it into my head in our show. And Freeman's like one of his favorite targets is, is to get because of that average. And I've, I've the more I've done prep for drafts, the more I've done early kind of drafts, it makes me appreciate that build so much more if you're in the back end of round one where you can get a guy like Freeman who will get you all five categories. Maybe not like he might not go 30-30 like a Tatis or something. He might not hit 50 home runs like Judge. But, man, you put it all together with that batting average, it's tremendous. And it uh, goes a long, long ways. I think people really underestimate the power of like a good batting average at the top of, of your draft because – that's sort of the one that I, I and I'm not going to speak for every drafter and every person listening to this out there, but I think that's the category that typically people just kind of bake in a little bit of there's variance every year. It's, it's a, it's a, it, we're talking a percentage game. We all know the bull Durham quote, like one hit a week, you know, yep. difference between 250 and 300, whatever. Um, you know, even Freddie Freeman has years where he hits. Oh God, never mind. I was trying to I find the last time he hit the under last 300. Eight years, over 300. It's freaking ridiculous. And he hit 295 in the one season he did it. Uh okay. Well, anyway. Yeah, Freddie Freeman uh, does it. Freddie it, the year Freddie Freeman does, did he like just medically ask where the alien was that put a probe in him and changed him? That's the way the space it. jam. It's the space yeah. jam year. Uh exactly. what happened. And they Freeman was one of theirs. Uh, but I think like you look down at the end of your drafts, and I think this is something that people don't talk about enough, or if they do, I don't hear it, and that's on me. But I don't think people talk about this enough. When you're putting together your draft sheet, you got to start by looking at the the back end of the draft. Like, mm-hmm. who are the players that you're targeting later in the draft that you think are going to give you an advantage over everyone else that they don't know about, right? Everyone, the first round is the first round. Yep. What's the the variance in the first round is like not that big. The variance in the second round, not that big. Um, you're winning your draft because of what you did, you know, from rounds 10 and beyond. Yep. And so if you if you think, hey, I've got these power sources that I know about later on in the draft, you know, don't, then target average early. If you think you've got batting average sources at the end of the draft, please tell me who they are. I'd like to know because I, I need them too. But the the point is, that I'm making is that like, if you know like, hey, later on in the draft, I can find 20 home runs. I can find a 25 homer guy. Yeah, it's coming with a 220 average. Yeah, it's coming with, you know, maybe only 60 runs scored because he plays for a crappy team and bat seventh. But Freddie Freeman's going to, give you that anchor at batting average that you don't, you know, if you, if you go out and you draft Tatis, like that's not, that's not someone that's going to anchor your average in that same way. And uh, that's something people I don't think think about enough. That's a great point. And like you said, the building backwards thing is I've heard different ways to do it. Some people do spreadsheets Some do like, it's, it's nuts, but um, obviously way out of my skill sets, but um, it, it makes sense. Cause most people at the back of the draft, like, they're like three category guys or they're this or they're that. And most of them, it's not batting average. That's the biggest takeaway. So <laughs> exactly. uh, if you can anchor it towards the front, like you're saying, it goes a long way to at least give you flexibility in the back end of the draft. You can like kind of take some more chances on some, some duds potentially. Yeah. Or, and by the way, if it is batting average, it's like maybe a two category guy where like, yeah. maybe you're like, okay, like he Luis can score some runs. Like you hope he hits right. average and scores runs. That's it. Cause if they did anything else, if they could steal bases or if they hit home runs, guess what? They're not going after pick 200 anymore, you know? Yeah. And so that's where 
you can, it's harder to find those average guys, um, you know, at the end of drafts versus a power guy or a speed only guy where it's like, yeah, it's one category, but it's elite. You don't get that as much in batting average. hundred percent. All right, let's go to the $700 million man, but he gets finished paid when he's like 30,000 years old. I don't know when the final year of that uh, deferment takes place. Shohei Otani. Yeah, we know how great this man is. I always thought for over a year now he was going to be a Dodger. It just made too much sense. Um, almost was a Blue Jay at one point in time. I hope they make a Shark Tank episode of that or something. Or like that dude needs to throw out the first pitch like, oh, Tawny bobblehead night or something. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's all I got to say. But we know who Otani is. The biggest thing is not pitching this year. It's hitting only. There, I, you probably would know more if you since the Fan Fest. I didn't get all the details, but I think they're expecting him pretty close to opening day, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, right now is ADP's 13. So in a 15-team league, we have three Dodgers in the first round. Um, what are your thoughts on Otani? Because it's util only. Some people get bugaboot about that, but this guy's kind of special. Yeah, he actually is someone that I think is very league specific and not in the way we're like, oh, Yahoo, he's two guys and on ESP, you know, they don't know what they're doing. Um, I think uh, with Otani, it is league specific in terms of how many utility spots do you have in your lineup? You know, NFBC, typical Roto lineups, you got one utility spot that makes his ADP where it is uh, towards the back end of the first round. Um, I think his yeah ADP of 13. So he's he's somewhere generally speaking at the back end of the first round. And I think that makes sense because you are tying up your utility spot, which, you know, whatever, right? It's just a spot, just like any other, but that hampers your lineup flexibility, um, which can like change the way you approach fab, even because you know, there's there's just less you can do. And so you kind of have to bake that into um his value in your lineup. If you play on Yahoo. <clears throat> If you play on Yahoo or any of these other uh, leagues that have two utility slots, I think Otani should be considered in like the first six or seven picks because now you're not tying up your whole utility category. Uh, and he is front like stat line just as good as these guys that are going like the Kyle Tucker, uh, Mookie Betts, um, you know, right below the Acuna, Witt, Rodriguez and Carroll where they're like 30, 30 guys. Uh, or 40, 70 guys, if we're talking about Ronald Acuna, who's always goes first in every draft. Um, but I think Otani is someone that, if you have two utility spots, should be considered among that tier of hitters, probably around maybe like pick five or pick six. Um, we have him projected at, at pitcher list. Um, and, and I'm, you know, this is all a hey, join PL Pro and you get access to our projection. So I don't want to give away too much of the stuff because. I want to honor those people that are part of the PL Pro community, uh, pitcherlist.com slash plus, uh, shameless plug. Uh, but we have Vice Otani. president of operations, everybody. <laughs> we, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's it's a trade secret to say we have Otani projected at about 40 home runs, uh, 200 plus uh, runs in RBIs combined, and about a 270 batting average. And that's more or less what he's done uh, the last three seasons. Um, I imagine he'll he'll run less just because of the injury risk of it all. Um, but I don't think he's someone that is just going to stop running just because, you know, uh, he can't pitch. Um, I, I think this is a guy who just wants to be the best player he can be. And that means stealing a bag, you know, from time to time. So, uh, I think he's someone that from a hitting perspective, you know, we have him projected at 150 games, uh, yeah, 149 games. Um, I know on, uh, like the bat and bat X has him projected 140 games. So we're, you know, you're going to miss maybe a week of the season with him. Uh, maybe he doesn't go to Korea. Maybe, you know, it's something like that, but you're, you're not going to miss much. 
from a playing time perspective. Um, and you're going to get first round value and it just comes down to whether or not you're, you're completely hamstringing your lineup or only a little bit, you know, from a, a league perspective. So I don't know if you agree with that, by the way, if you agree that Otani should be like a top six pick off the board, if you're on like a league that you're not completely hamstringing that utility slot. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, my biggest thing is I just needed to hear more info on the health when he'd be ready. And like that came out over the last weekend or so. And we're getting a little more clarity on that. Like if they're, if they're telling me he's going to be pretty much good to go come opening day or like the first week or two, he becomes very, very val- val- valuable to me. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like some Shohei Otani on this one. I don't have any shares right now because I haven't had that many back into the first round picks, honestly, which has been weird. And I only do an FPC, which has the one utility. But he's one of those guys, like one of the utility people that I'm like, yeah, I, I can try to navigate the minefields on that one just because he is so talented. Like 40-20, uh, 300 average, all the run production. It's it's pretty juicy with Shohei Otani. Yes, Teoscar Hernandez, another new addition to the Dodgers, and I love this one. Like there was a rumor, of course, hey, the Giants are talking to Teoscar. That would have been cool. And then he goes to L.A. and I love Teoscar. Only to be thirty-one this year. Power still there. You know, he hit two fifty-eight last year, which is which is not bad. In the middle of this lineup, could be pretty darn good. And right now, his ADP is one thirty-two over the last you know twenty drafts or so. So what are your thoughts on Teoscar? Because it seems like a perfect fit for what you guys need. Yeah. I mean, we've got a guy who's going to be in left field every single day. Um, You know, he's going to be a mainstay in this lineup. This is not someone that, you know, with the Dodgers, everyone, you know, the lineup always changes and whatnot and, and, you know, stuff like that. And that's actually something I'm looking at, but in terms of where he bats, because right now roster resource has him projected as the seventh, uh, seventh hitter in the lineup. Um, it is a little tough because the top four, I think, is more or less set in stone um, mm-hmm. between uh, Betts, Freeman, Otani, and Will Smith. And so at best, we're talking about maybe Hernandez can get up to, to hitting fifth in the lineup. And if he does, then we can project a lot more RBI than what sort of is the consensus projection for him, which is like 85 to 90. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have him projected at 83. And so it's it's like this is someone that I think could easily drive in over 100 runs if he gets put in a position to do so, um, if he's hitting seventh and the three guys ahead of him in the, in the lineup are Smith, Muncie and Outman, that's a whole different ser- scenario than batting fifth and having, you know, Freeman, Otani and, and Smith directly ahead of you. Um, so that's to me going to be the biggest question mark. And obviously we're not going to necessarily know that until after the season starts and you've already drafted. So it's kind of hard to take that into account, but um if there's one thing I know about what the Dodgers do with their lineups, it's that they're not afraid to switch things up to at the, at the back end of the lineup. And if Hernandez comes out and he's hitting better than Muncie and Outman, I think he'll move up the lineup. Um, and I don't think it's a matter of, you know, too many right handed bats in a row because like Smith is the only other right handed bat like directly yeah. ahead of him. So I don't think it would be a situation where it's like, Oh, we got to have Muncie or Outman ahead of him because we got to switch it up. Like, no, if Hernandez is hitting, which, He's done every year of his career. Uh, I think he'll move up to fifth, and I think that makes him a lot more enticing. Um, I still think he's great value for where he's at at seventh. Um, I mean, dude, 25 home runs every single year dating back to 2019, except for 2020 when he hit 16 in the shortened season, which is even better. So this this is a guy is as steady as they come, and I'd love to have him in my outfield. 
Yeah, no, so would I. Um, I have him in my fantasy outfield, though. I drafted a lot of him before he signed, just kind of speculating on where he'd go mm-hmm. at a better price tag than we're seeing now. And I'm still very much in because obviously you went to like one of the top two options, him or the Braves, like Dodgers, Braves. Cool. Let's go. Uh, I think he'll find his way to fifth personally. And we'll talk. I'll I'll, I'll kind of say more of why when we talk about the Muncie's and the Outmans that we were talking about a second ago. Um, I think I think um, it, it comes down to the top five. If you put T Oscar there, these got these are your everyday guys. And you got then mm-hmm. this kind of platoony different situation stuff coming behind them. That's my two cents. We'll see. Obviously, Dave Roberts always makes you stay on your toes on those ones. Uh, let's go behind the dish. You mentioned Will Smith a few times here. You saying they're going to hit him cleanup, which is interesting to hear. Like I think that's really good to hear. Honestly, uh, this is a guy that's just a consistent, pure uh, hitter. Nineteen home runs last year, missed twenty for the third straight year, but whatever. Played in you know one hundred twenty six games, the fewest in three years. Still hit for a good average. I guess the bugaboo everybody points to is everyone thought he'd be like this DH guy for them when he's not playing. But like last year, they had J.D. Martinez. This year, they have this guy called Shohei Otani. So that's going to make life difficult. But when it comes to catchers, Will Smith has an ADP of 86, and he's still one of the top-end fantasy catchers in the game. Uh, Where do you stand on Will Smith? Yeah, so great point with the DH thing. And, I mean, it really you saw the effect last year. He was second in plate appearances among catchers in 2022. Uh, and he dropped to sixth uh, last year, uh, in, in part due to J.D. Martinez, you know, being someone that could not play in the field. Um, and now we have Otani, who absolutely we are not putting in the field in any uncertain circumstances. So I completely agree that Will Smith is going to see his playing time capped. And I think that also caps his ceiling because we're now in three years in a row now, I think, of Will Smith being a 20 to 25 homer bat, hitting about 260. Um, and I think that's going to just continue to be the case in 2024. Uh, but now without the, you know, potential, I can dream on it upside of him playing the way like an Adley Rushman or a Salvador Perez plays and getting up to 150, 155 games and getting to a place uh, where they're able, you know, where we could dream on Will Smith hitting 30 home runs. I, I just don't think that ceiling is realistically there. Um, and so because of that, he, I think is very fairly priced in, you kind of have uh, Real Muto, William Contreras, and Will Smith all sort of lumped together right there at the you know back end of round five through round six, um, and I think that's a very fair place to put him. Um, I think personally, just the way I like to draft teams, I wouldn't draft any of those three. Um, I just think if I'm not getting Rushman, and in two catcher leagues, I'm definitely I definitely want Rushman. Um, at that point, I want to wait and grab two other guys that I think are at a much lower price point. Um, I personally, I know we're talking Dodgers, but I personally like kind of targeting the sort of from like pick 150 to uh, 190 range of uh, Gabriel Moreno, Logan Ohapi, Bo Naylor, Kybert Ruiz, uh, Jonah Heim, and Mitch, and Mitch Carver. Yeah. That's sort of where I want to live. I, I almost... I think actually I just did a mock uh, draft uh, and, and picked two catchers in the, like back to back. I was like, boom, now I'm done. Um, I just don't, I don't want to pay like fifth, sixth round price for a catcher who I think has the, a great floor and a ceiling that is almost identical to the floor. Um, I, I need, I need that upside. We're on the same page. I absolutely loved uh, the the breakdown. Like people know me as I'm a catcher. My hashtag catchers matter on this show. <laughs> um, the the depth of the position is so ridiculous this year. My regular listeners probably don't want to hear me keep talking about it, <laughs> but um, 
what you said about Will Smith is why I have no Will Smith either. And I'm a huge William Contreras fan. I was all over him last year. I don't really want to pay the price this year either because of what right. you said. There's so much talent down below. Even if even if you want to push it up a little above Gabby, like even Wilson Contreras, if you want to get aggressive, comes so much later. And he, he at least has a ceiling over Will Smith potentially if he stays healthy. But I'm with you. Like, my favorite draft so far, if I could somehow get Ohapi and Bo Naylor together, it's like my dream scenario. That is it. But what you said about Will Smith is the the reason if if you want to like, I'll play devil's advocate if you want to draft Will Smith, it's because he gives you the floor. Like you can literally mm-hmm. just pencil in twenty to twenty five homers, like we talked about. You could do that. That's great. If you want the ceiling play to try to win a league, though, he ain't your guy. That's the unfortunate situation here. Now, God forbid if something were to happen to Shohei Otani, that could change. But let's just hope that doesn't happen. Let's not let's not speculate on that. But I, I didn't even I was going to mention that. And I was like, I don't even want to talk about like what would have to go into Will Smith getting more playing time. Let, let, let the uh, in 2024. It's OK. <laughs> I will say the one thing is you can say maybe he has a, a progression in terms of skill or he has that year. You know, every player in their range of outcomes has a, that upper upper end. And maybe Will Smith hits that upper end. It's just the 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 fact that no matter how well he hits this year his playing time cannot increase because of the position that he plays unless you want to say he goes to back to playing third base like he they worked on him in, in the minor leagues but now i i just feel like there's too you're you're connecting too many dots at that point to say oh there's a way he gets to to 600 plate appearances again um i just don't think that's realistic and so 100% even if he takes that step forward and starts hitting the ball a lot harder or or what have you it just there is still that ceiling in terms of, of the playing time that I think is going to, it's just going to make it too difficult. Yep. hundred percent with you on that. Now we get to the bottom third or so of the batting order. Like we talked about bottom half, give or take, and we'll start with Max Muncy here. And this is a, I'm really curious to see like maybe what you've heard in the Dodger land when it comes to Max. Cause I've heard some weird things just in general in the fantasy world, ADP of 185, third base only. You know, last year, once again, we saw the power just is awesome. 36 home runs, uh, 95 runs scored, 105 RBIs. Yes, yes, yes. 212 batting average. We've seen that batting average drop in three of the last four seasons. Uh, we've seen the strikeout rate kind of not where we ideally want to see it. Still walks a ton. Um, the splits were horrific last year for lefties. So the rumblings I've heard, and I'm curious your thoughts, and what's kept me off of Muncie besides the batting average concerns, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, I've heard there's a chance he actually gets platooned. Just because he's had issues with injuries, he's 33, slightly getting older in baseball days, and the platoon and the, and the Dodgers have a litany of options. That's the thing; like they can do things. Mm-hmm. They have that luxury. So, what are mm-hmm. your thoughts on Max Muncie? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be honest. Like this is the first time that I am hearing like about the potential of him platooning, but that is that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I hate to say that because Muncie has been such a like he he's one of those guys that like every team you have that guy that, that because he came up with you because your team found the thing, whatever it was, it's like, you have that, that um, emotional attachment. And Muncie is one of those guys for me where it's like, dude came up kind of out of nowhere um, and just started raking. And it was just really fun to watch. And so I want nothing but for him to succeed. Um, He has a very specific approach at the plate. Um, I think it's, it's not suit like there's other batters like him, but Muncie just waits and waits and waits. And when he sees the pitch he wants, he's going to crush it. And unfortunately, I think I'm not a doctor, so I'll just take everything I'm about to say with a grain of salt. I think rushing back from that UCL injury at the start of 2022 
Like, I think that had long-term effects. I think we saw power get sapped. Um, if you want to see like something uh, like the, the descent of man or whatever, go on his uh, baseball savant and look at what he did against fastballs prior to 2022. And then look at how he's done against fastballs each of the last two seasons. He has went, he went from being someone who was slugging like 600 above 600 against fastballs to a guy who barely slugs 500 against them the last two seasons. And I just think we're at a point where like Muncie is still has the same approach. He still is one of the lowest uh, uh, swing rate batters across the league. He just waits and waits. I just think he's no longer the same hitter he was in 2019. And, you know, when he was really like, you know, hitting 260 and hitting 35 bombs, like he just doesn't have that anymore. And so before he crushed every mistake and turned them into 35 home runs. Now he still gets 35 home runs, but he doesn't crush them all. And so some of those, some of those mistakes that he thinks he's getting all of are now just lazy fly balls are balls. He's rolling over and, and turning into ground balls. And so it's just, I can absolutely see them platooning him. Um, and when you have Chris Taylor, who's a right-handed bat, Miguel Rojas, right-handed bat, both of whom can play third base. Um, you know, I, 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 it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, unfortunately, as much as I hate, to say that out loud. Um, but I think the, the, the flip side of it is maybe you can say, all right, 2022 came in injured, rushed it 2023 still recovering in terms of getting back to who he is as a batter. Maybe we can look at that and say, okay, in 2024, he's going to be Max Muncy again, uh, or an approximation of Max Muncy again. Um, I mean, he was still a very productive three-category player last year. 36 home runs, 95 runs, 105 RBI. So, like, it's not like he completely wrecked your team last year. Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't wreck our team, uh, <laughs> you know, from a – you know, I mean, the on-base percentage is still, still uh, great, great yeah. compared to the batting. I mean, 333 on-base percentage is not great, but when it comes paired with a 212 batting average, it's it nuts. a lot better. Yep. Um, I just – I think either he's going to have to go back to who he was, which is not an easy thing to do at his age or change his approach slightly. And I don't know which will happen. Um, and I don't know if this means he's going to get platooned and be allowed to just go out there and crush righties, which is still going to be like a four day a week job uh, being on the strong side of the platoon. So man, I don't know. You kind of rocked me a little bit there with the <laughs> idea that he could platoon. That definitely that definitely adds a huge amount of risk to, to drafting Max Muncy. And it could be just pure, like I said, it's just you know, talk. Who knows what it really is? I guess we'll probably know more once these guys keep record, like reporting to camp and we start hearing things this, that, and the other. It could just be complete fool's gold. Um, yeah, but it's the Dodgers. It's you the know? Dodgers. And this they is the kind of stuff that they do. Exactly. It, that's they why have a think, history of doing this. So That's why I took like, a I, little I validity behind it. I was like, there's yeah. something there. There's a little something. Um, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll that. I just kind of kept, it's kept me off of him with that yeah. with that potential path there. Because otherwise, like you pencil in thirty bombs pretty much every year, and you rock. I ball, wonder. So. I That's wonder cool. if I mean at that price in an NFBC fifteen team league, you know, you're you're drafting him to be a a mainstay in your lineup, mm-hmm. um, or you know, maybe not as your third baseman, but certainly as a corner infielder. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if he's the kind of, of player that we talk about when it's like draft Freddie Freeman early, get the average. And then later in like a shallower league, you know, a league where you can have a little bit more lineup flexibility on a day-to-day basis. Um, or even, you know, even in, um, uh, 
uh, yeah, on a platform like NFPC where you can set your your uh, hitting lineup twice, twice a week. week. I don't remember. Yeah, I was gonna say I can't remember if that's CGFBI or, or NFPC. That's no, all, all NFPC biweekly. Yeah, so then you can kind of play that game of like how many right-hander right-handed pitchers we have coming up. But then you know now you have to play that game, right? And that's that's an added level of of thinking you have to have. That means you need another bat uh, to have in those situations to to swap in in those times. So you know if you think you've got that in your bag as a player. I, I think you could still get a ton of value at Max Muncy at that price uh, at where he's being drafted. But if you want a guy that you're like, Hey, I'll take less production, like in, in, you know, the uh, uh, aggregate, but I, I can worry less about this position in my lineup. Then I, I would go elsewhere. I would definitely look yeah. elsewhere. It's a great point. It's a great point. There's like in a, in a draft an old 50 rounder. Yeah. You can play the games probably, but hundred percent. Otherwise it, it could make things complicated. Uh, yeah. Let's go to James Outman here. Pretty solid rookie season, 248, 23 homers, 16 steals in 151 games. It was like the tale of three seasons. Like he started out good, then he slumped, and then he finished really strong. It was like a little bit of everything. So you look at the end line, pretty solid season. But we all know the hiccups that took place. Uh, ADP is close to 200 right now. Like I'm a big James Outman fan just because he's like he's kind of been hyped up for a while. We saw it in the minors. We saw it this past year. I guess it's a matter of do you believe he plays enough to make it work? So – what are your thoughts on James Outman? Uh, I'm actually not concerned about his playing time, okay. mostly because he's one of the few guys on the in, on the roster that we can play center field like confidently. Uh, it's basically him and Chris Taylor that we would confidently put in center field. Um, can we put Gavin Lux there? We've done that in the past. It didn't go well. Uh, can we put Jason Hayward there? I don't know at his age if he can uh, you know regularly play center field we can't put Hernandez there. That's for sure. So it's like, I just don't know how many options we have. And we don't exactly have guys in the organization that are, you know, center fielders either. Um, you know, the, the outfielders that we do have that, that could sniff the major leagues are corner outfield guys. I just don't really see how many ways we can get Outman out of the lineup without like having to swallow a little bit of vomit when we do it. Um, and so I'm not concerned about his playing time from that perspective. Um, I think he's someone that I like, I feel more confident in his playing time than I do Gavin Lux's to, to compare him to another, you know, young, uh, uh, you know, sort of blue chip prospect that the Dodgers have had come up and, and is currently penciled into the lineup. So I feel good about Outman. I feel good about him. Um, you know what he did last year, you mentioned, I mean, big slump in the middle of the season. Dude went ice cold for like months. But the fact that he pulled it back together actually makes me feel better about him than a rookie that was a tale of two halves. Like, I'll take a guy who figured it out again at the end of the season over a guy who, like, the pitchers figured him out and he still has to make another adjustment. I think Outman has shown that he can still adjust to major league pitching. Uh, and so I, I feel good about him at the very least, you know, replicating to a degree what he did last year, um, you know, being in that same world of, of maybe 30 to 35 combined home runs and stolen bases, right. 20 and 15, uh, 18 and, and 13, something in that, in that realm where we're getting that to both of those categories in a way that makes him very appealing at pick 200. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm very interested in James Outman, some very early shares of James Outman. 
Uh, and then I started hearing people like you look at projections at 120 games. I was like, yeah, please don't do that to me. Like I, I to me, I'm like, why would you? But you never know. Again, Dodgers, 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 Dodgers. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Gavin Lux coming back from his freak injury last year. He suffered in spring training. The dude's just like a muscle man, so it's to play shortstop. He's second base outfit eligible. ADP is 265. There's always been tremendous prospect expectations from Gavin Lux. It just hasn't really flourished because of health and whatnot and maybe consistent playing time. So what are your thoughts? Full year off in 2023, coming back, supposedly going to be the shortstop, maybe platoon with Miguel Rojas at times. How are you feeling on Lux? I am not interested in Gavin Lux from a fantasy perspective. Um, I I really kind of struggled looking back on the minor league career that he had and and just sort of like what he's done at the major league level to see what his path to fantasy relevance is because he's not a guy that runs a lot, right? And his most stolen bases is 27 at the age of 19 in single A. So we can throw that out. Everyone runs, you know, when they're that young and and at that level of the minors. Um, you know, he's never stolen more than seven bases at the major league level. He's never hit more than seven home runs at the major league level. And, you know, you look at his batted ball profile, he doesn't hit the ball that hard. Um, I don't know. I remember in I want to say it was 2021. Uh, it might have been 2022. The again, Dodger fan seasons blur together. We're great always. Um, but in one of those first two seasons, there was talk about how Gavin Lux kind of changed his approach at the plate to, you know, be more of like a hit tool guy and just make more contact and not focus so much on power. But I okay, that doesn't help. Like that doesn't make me feel good about his prospects as a as a uh, fantasy relevant uh, shortstop. I just the best case scenario is I get a guy who, you know, scores 80 runs because he's batting ninth, which is great. He's got Betts and, and Freeman behind him. Um, and I don't know, hits like 280 and maybe combines for 20 home runs and stolen bases. Like that's, that to me is the ceiling, uh, you know, or maybe you could say the pipe dream ceiling is like 25 home runs and stolen or 30, but it's, I just don't see how he gets to that realistically given what we've seen from him at the major league level, the injury he's coming back from. I just, it doesn't, I, I don't, I can't put the pieces together myself personally. Yeah, uh, that's, that's fair. I, I really, really early in draft season. Cause I draft way too early. Cause that's me. Um, and when like, was your first draft? Uh, well, technically I was in the way too early draft that starts before the season ends that a group of us <laughs> do. Um, but then after that, I think I started in, I, I want to say I got to November, like right after F was when I started things up. So, um, yeah, I, I was taking early Lux shares, but I've definitely kiboshed that over the last month or so and uh, probably won't have a whole lot more as we get closer to the, the quote-unquote bigger drafts coming up. Um, Jason Hayward, going to ask about him. His ADP is almost – it's just inside 600. It's at uh, right next to 550, 553 right now. You know, he hit 15 homers at 269 in 124 games. They brought him back. I'll just kind of clump this together. You got You got Hayward. You mentioned Chris Taylor. Um, the Miguel Rojas is there. You guys got Manny Margot. Again, depth, 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 depth with the Dodgers. Do any of these guys carry any fantasy impact for you outside of like super deep leagues? Uh, also, I just realized, as you mentioned him, uh, Manny Margot is someone who uh, has played center field in the past. So I guess that is probably where people are baking in the potential of him, you know, batting instead of Outman. But um, yeah. I, I kind of almost forgot that he was on the team because in preparation for this podcast, I looked at Margot's stat line and was like, okay, cool. Who cares? Like this guy's yeah. sure. 
he'll play once a week. Um, I think so back to Hayward and Taylor, I think actually it's a really interesting uh, comparison there because I think we're kind of looking at um, two ish sides of the same coin in that. uh, And Taylor's the better one, uh, by the way, in in terms of fantasy relevance, but we're talking about two guys that are relevant because you're in a 15 team, five outfielder league. Uh, If what I, if, if you listening are not in a league of at least 75 outfielders starting, you know, don't draft Chris Taylor or Jason Hayward. Uh, if you're in a league of that depth, you know, maybe still don't draft Jason Hayward. Someone's going to play him for weeks at a time, but that's because the three of their actual outfielders got injured. Like that's fine. (laughs) Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't come into the season with either of these guys as like a real part of like, this is why I'm going to win my league. Um, with that said, I do think Chris Taylor is like a sneaky depth pick because over the last three seasons, he has averaged 15 home runs and 13 stolen bases. Uh, and it's not like he had one good year of each. Like he has consistently hit between 10 and 20 home runs and consistently stolen between 10 and 16 uh, bases over the last three seasons. Like he is someone that can contribute in those two categories um, because he plays all around the diamond. He will play at shortstop. He will play at third base. He will play in center. He'll play in left. He'll play at second. Um, he'll play just about anywhere besides, uh, catcher and first, honestly, um, he'll get in the lineup three to four times a week. Uh, and there's a chance if this Muncie platoon thing is real, if they need, uh, if Outman struggles the way he did last year and they want Taylor in in, in center field more, um, if luck struggle, like Taylor is the Dodgers number two guy in the depth chart at like four different positions. So he's someone that I think. I would want as a reserve on my roster because there's a real world in which you can get in, in a one month stretch when players are hurt, you know, what have you for the Dodgers, you could get five home runs and five stolen bases in a month from Taylor, because that's just, you know, the, the playing time he got. And that can be insanely valuable for you as the last pick or close to the last pick of your draft. Um, Hayward, you'll pick up for $2 a fab at some point in your season you will play him for two weeks and then you'll drop him and someone else will do the exact same thing like a week later. Uh, yeah. I don't, don't, don't make any plans around Jason Hayward. Yeah. Hayward's more of the 15 league guy that you, like you said, you stream, or if you're in a super, 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 super deep league, you play the bi-weekly roster boost because it's all righties that weekend or something. Yep. Yeah. You don't rely on him. And I like the Taylor call. Cause the, the other great thing about Taylor shortstop third base outfield on NFBC, it gives you middle infield, corner infield outfield. That guy covers everything. Like that is just glorious in those draft and hold formats that most people are doing now before we get into the heavy fab leagues. Like that just even makes them even more valuable. Yeah. Hold on. I got to add them to my queue and a slow draft that I'm in right now with NFBC um, setting. So give me one second. I'm yeah. now going to, now that you mentioned that, cause I didn't realize that he was eligible to all three positions. Oh yeah. He, it's, on it's NFBC. ridiculous what he can do. Let's see. We're in the 19th round of the slow draft, probably yeah, a little ADP, early for Chris ADP Taylor. 386. So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll set the min on that here in a few uh in a few days beautiful that is what i like to hear so that's what we do here make dreams come true um let's head to the mound where oh wait they spent more money people um i just call him yamamoto i that might be rude of me but i figure it's better than me butchering his name i figure that's probably more insulting but could Fair be enough. wrong uh it's yoshinobu i believe 
Yamamoto. Dude, it's a combination of everyone's two Yoshi. favorite Japanese things. And no the me. guy you always pick in Mario Kart. Yeah. And, and everyone's sushi. favorite overpriced sushi restaurant. Yeah, which I've never been to. And I love sushi. It's like one of those things. Like I love golf. I'm like, for just once, I'll play, I'll pay to play Pebble just to say I played it. Never right. again. Like I want to have Nobu like once just to say I went. I'll probably never ever go again. We'll see. We'll see which one happens first. Let's put it that way. As I sit here and podcast from my office. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Yoshi Nobu. That's a now I'll never get that wrong. That is the. Yep. I got that locked in. Yamamoto, again, rumored to go to the Giants. And he goes to the Dodgers. Uh, There's a train. Like, Farhan, we got Farhan. I feel like he's an, he's a mole. He's a mole just directing mm-hmm. traffic south on the 101. That's what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, um, I won't deny that. <laughs> it feels that way. So you got Yamamoto. Dude's just insane in Japan. Like, Cy Young's, I forget what they call that in Japan, but basically the Cy Young. The Europe. Sawamura, I believe. I just read it recently. It's I could ridiculous. be wrong about that. ADP is close to 45. Um, I'm just nervous because the transition from Japan to the, to MLB, there's always usually a learning curve. You never know. He's so talented. There might not be. Plus, what I do love for the Dodgers, I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> he basically gets to live with Otani, so the whole culture transition is taken care of. Like Otani's mm-hmm. got like the cooks. He's got the places to go. He's got the comfortable. He's got the translator. All that's done. Like those things are, he's he's locked in in that regard. Right. So, what's your thoughts on Yamamoto this season, especially with an ADP of forty five? Like, are you willing to take that that I guess quote unquote risk? Absolutely not. But that's me. Like that's me, and that's, that's me. Too. me. I, I, I just, it's it's insane. And I remember, I think back in October uh, when we were doing the first pitch Arizona podcast, um, I had some very very early. I can't even call it ADP because I think I had the total of like six drafts. Like you can, it's technically the average, but like. There was nothing, you know, going on. And I think at that time, Yamamoto, you know, hadn't signed with anyone yet. Um, you know, so we hadn't gotten all that buzz. I think his ADP was like in the 90s or something like that. And I was looking at that and I was like, man, that feels that feels high. Like I just I at that point, when I think about drafting pitchers, it's like, who is this guy in my rotation? I don't know that I want uh, Yamamoto to be like anything higher than my third starting pitcher. And I'm not getting that at pick 44. That's for sure. Um, but I'm also a very risk averse player. I don't, I'm not usually the person that's in on these guys. Um, I will say, I actually think there's so much talk about the Dodgers six man rotation and Yamamoto's innings are going to be limited because in Japan they have six man rotation. Like I, I just went back and I looked at, at three recent Japanese starting pitchers that came over, um, Kodai Senga, Kenta Maeda and Yu Darvish. What do you think was the lowest number of innings pitched from the three of them in their rookie season? Maybe like 160, 165. Just yeah. Senga threw 166 last season. Uh, Maeda threw 175. Darvish threw 192. In their rookie years, their first season coming over from Japan, where, oh, they're so used to the six day bubble. Like, they're they're good pitchers. They're going to figure it out. And I don't think, you know, they're And they're, in a and they're all young when they come over. It's not like they're old that haven't, can't throw a couple extra games. Exactly. They're, they're young. They're getting, you know, they'll get used to it. Uh, they were professionals. Like, it's not like, I think it's a little overblown. And so people, you know, get concerned like, oh, Yamamoto is only going to throw 150 innings. Like if he only throws 150 innings, it's because he got hurt and missed a few starts. It's not going to be because the Dodgers were like, oh, we can't, we can't pitch this guy today. Cause it's only been four days of no, like they'll, they'll throw him back out there. Um, especially given some of the other people we have in the line, in the rotation, like we may not have many other options. Like, in terms of who's healthy. So I think Yamamoto is going to throw 180 innings. I think he's going to be a great pitcher. 
And I personally don't want to be the person holding the bag if it takes him a little bit longer to uh, to kind of figure it out, you know, throughout the season. Um, not for and, me. And and for me, because I'm I'm a risk averse. Everyone who listens to any of my shows knows that very well by now. Um, but the reason I think two two things on this. The six man rotation that I if if I saw it, I never considered it for Yamamoto. I think it's more they want to kind of just, you know, we'll get to glass now's potential injury concerns. If you want to bake in Yamamoto, you can. Bobby Miller's still young. Like all these pitchers we're gonna talk about, they all have like concerns of whatever interest. So if you can stretch out that to get to October, awesome. Um the other part with Yamamoto, and this is probably you know just lazy on my part, but you mentioned Singa and um he started out slow, finished great. The difference between the two is you didn't have to pay the ADP you're paying for Yamamoto. Like single is much more enticing. It was like more like one one to one twenty, give or take. Something I think maybe even later. I don't know, but yeah. So Yamamoto, like in a fifteen team, I think in around three. In a, in a, in a yeah. twelve team, you're like in the fourth round. This is it's premium stuff, and that's kind of where I'm. I'm not on the board on that one. Now, yeah. curious, Mister Risk Averse, what's your thoughts here? Because Bloomfield and I have had some heavy discussions on this one, and that is Tyler Glass now. ADP of 41 through 120 innings last year for the first time in his career. But the ratios are great. Strikeouts are great. We know like when healthy, one of the more dominating pitchers in all of baseball, it's just that when healthy thing. You have to imagine <laughs> he's healthy at this point in time. So are you willing to pay an ADP of 41, three picks in front of Yamamoto? No, absolutely not. Uh, and it's, it's kind of, so I'm actually more inclined. Like if, if I'm there at pick 45, we'll, we'll even say pick 50 for, you know, cause I'm risk averse. I pick 50 and I'm, I'm, you're, you're telling me I have to draft either glass now or Yamamoto. Uh, I would still, I would want to draft glass now because he only has one question mark, which is health, which is a big one, yep. but he has shown time and time again, that when he's healthy, he is a dominant pitcher. There's no question about that. Um, with Yamamoto, there is still technically the question about that. I, I am one of those people that will be very opportunistic about drafting injured players in NFBC formats because in a roto league, you can it's not as important for you to have that player week over week. You can you can look at it as the aggregate of like I was I drafted Bryce Harper in as many places as I could uh last season when his ADP was like 180 and uh yeah, that was last season, two years yep. ago. I don't know. Yep. That la- and his ADP was like 180. And I'm like, look, whatever, whatever guy I get to throw into this spot for the first three months of the season, like fine. And then Harper is going to make up and then some for the value. But that's at pick 180. Glasnow is at pick 40. Like no shot, no shot. I, I would be more in on drafting Glasnow if the Dodgers said he's going to miss the first two months of the season because then his ADP would be like 200. That's and then fair. like either way, we're going to get four months probably worth of value out of Tyler Glasnow. I don't want to pay pick 40 for that. Um, we can dream on a world where he's healthy all year long. Um, sure. But that's not, I, that, I, that's not the way I'm going to draft. That is a uh, very, very fair uh, in that regard. Like I, it's the discussion we've been having on, on our bubble in the bloom is the ceiling that glass down can bring is amazing. If he gives you like 160 innings, that's just such a tremendous if of, of what we're going to get. And yeah, it's, do you want to take those risk rewards? That's the million dollar question. Now we go to Bobby Miller. 124 innings last year. If you combine the minors, he threw 138, almost 139 innings uh, in the bigs. Sub four ERA looked pretty, pretty good. Um, just kept like showcasing more and more of the plus stuff we'd expect from Bobby Miller. And unlike the other two, his ADP 74. Is this someone you're more interested in this season? 
way more interested. And and I I think Bobby Miller is like this is exactly where I want him to go. This is where I wish Yamamoto and Glasnow were going. Um, and so I think we've priced in the risk. Um, and so I'll I'll buy it at that price. I don't think we've priced in the risk on on Yamamoto and Glasnow. Um, or if we have, then other people have very different definitions of risk than I do. Um, I, the one thing I think that really makes Bobby Miller enticing to me is that he is not one of these starting pitchers that comes up and has, you know, the two great pitches uh, that he relies on and, and makes him so good and makes him so exciting. Like Bobby Miller has like a legitimate repertoire um, and he uses it. Um, he's not, you know, like, Hey, I'm only going to throw my, my four seamer and slider. I'm only going to throw my sinker. Uh, slider, you know, something like that. Like he is someone that throws five pitches. Um, all five pitches are pitches that he feels good with. Um, and so that makes, I think in my mind, him a lot less likely to regress in a way that other young pitchers who come up on the backs of having two dominant pitches, uh, would do. So I'm all in on Bobby Miller. Um, I think we're going to be like, if we do get a six man rotation, it's going to be like Yamamoto and, and Miller throwing every five days and everyone else is throwing every six. And I don't know the math on that to do all the calculations of how, when, and where people are going to pitch. But I think the Dodgers will be a lot more willing to just let Yamamoto and Miller pitch when healthy and when they're ready to go, as opposed to feeling like they have to baby them. Um, and so I, I think Miller is someone that he pitched 138 innings last year. I think we'll see 175 from him this year and, and, you know, continued greatness from, what we saw last year. Yeah, I've seen some very, very bright pitching minds breaking him down more the last month or so. It's got me much more interested in him. And another note, I didn't even mention earlier, we're talking about the six-man rotation. The way I actually heard the Dodgers discuss it, and obviously these are all fun and games till someone gets hurt and those all get thrown out the window. But um, <laughs> I've heard the Dodgers actually say it more as a six-day rotation. So like, if they, if they have an off day, then it's back to the five-man, if that makes sense. And so basically... Like you, like you said, Yamamoto, Glasnow, Miller, they're going every fifth start, basically. That's just how it's mm-hmm. going to work. It's just in those random weeks, like maybe they don't get a day off the whole week. Well, we throw a guy right. in on day six to give an extra day rest, which kind of makes sense also. So especially when we get to these next few guys. James Paxton, who you guys picked up this offseason. Like, again, was having a good year last year, then started hitting some road bumps. Can't stay healthy. We know this. ADP's 310. What are we thinking on James Paxton? I mean, I think – we know exactly what we're going to get from James Paxton. I, I think he is who he is at this point in his career, which is a guy who's not going to throw, you know, a million innings. He's not a guy that is going to be, uh, you know, dominant when he's on the mound. He is a very solid starting pitcher um, when he's able to be out there. And I think what we saw last year in Boston, 19 starts, 96 innings pitched, um, a four or five ERA, a hundred strikeouts. Like that's, I think what we can see here in LA. Now, the one thing going in his favor is the thing everyone points to whenever the Dodgers acquire literally anyone is, oh, they fixed him and they fixed that guy and they found out, like, we made Tyler Anderson relevant. We made um, Andrew Heaney relevant. Like, maybe we found something with James Paxson. And I do think there's truth to that. I do think the Dodgers target players that they think that there's something that they can do. Maybe it's change their pitch mix. Maybe it's increased usage. Maybe it's uh, add spin to one pitch that'll take them over the top. Um, I think the Dodgers signed James Paxton because they looked at their rotation depth and were like, we probably need a hundred more innings somewhere in here. Um, and I think that's what we're going to get. So, you know, sure draft him. He's not like, he's going to be rotation depth for you, just like he is for the Dodgers. Um, but I don't, he's not going to be the secret sauce 
I, I don't think, uh, to either your rotation or the Dodgers rotation. All right, let's talk Emmett Sheehan now, who came up last year through 60 innings at the big club between AA, AAA, and the majors. Gave you about 123, give or take, in there. Um, it was kind of a rocky road in the bigs for Sheehan until he went to the bullpen. That he looked really, really good. And he started <laughs> like throwing heat. Uh, ADP's 260. Where are we sitting on him? Um, I mean, this is the guy that I think the floor can really fall out on because I think if there's someone who gets bumped out of the rotation, it's, it's Sheehan. Right. And, and the good news is we found out Walker Bueller is not going to be ready at the start of the season. And so Sheehan has a role in the rotation. Um, the bad news is how much better is he than guys like Kyle hurt or river Ryan? Like, I don't know. Uh, is if he even is like, this is someone who, uh, you know, he could be in a bullpen role by the end of April and not in a fun one. And like a, you know, dude's going to throw three meaningless innings, you know, a week. So I, I think that we're going to, you know what, I'll put it this way. And this is something Nick Pollock always says. So I'm going to, I'm going to steal one from him. Um, you don't necessarily want to handcuff your team by drafting guys that even two, three weeks in the season, you saw that question mark on of like, I don't know, like maybe I should still hang on to him or not. Like, when you're drafting a guy like Sheehan in the pick 200, like you want to know by the end of the first two, three weeks, like, all right, did this guy take a step forward and I've got him and I can rely on him or do I need to start looking elsewhere? And I think Sheehan is that guy. Um, you can certainly pick other starters around him that are not going to have that same sort of like, let's get this question answered like right away. Um, and so I think with, you know, you're going to be a lot more, will he, won't he with someone like, I don't know, Kenta Maeda or Nick, Nick Lodolo or Seth Lugo, even where it's like, okay, like I can see some good stuff, you know, I don't know, but with Sheehan, it's like, we're going to find out real quick if he can sink or swim in that Dodgers rotation, which will mean we're going to find out real quick if he stays in the rotation. So yep, 100%. I'd be more willing to take a shot on that. There's options. We saw Yarborough do really well, either starter or the opener situation. Like he had moments. There's Gavin Stone. We'll talk about some of these guys later in the, in the show here, but there's options to kind of try to wade, wade through the water before we yeah. get to Walker Bueller. And I want to ask you about Walker Bueller. I'm really angry that they came out and said he won't be ready because I was like, I, I didn't draft him for the sole reason. And people were drafting him. I'm like, please, yeah. Well, leave him alone. Leave him because even <laughs> if he came back, like they hinted way earlier, they're going to slow play him back because they want him for October. They finally came 100%. out and said it though to the world, and I wasn't happy about that. His ADP is 121. Like he's strictly off my board. There's not a chance. Uh, since the news came out though, he's gone as low as 179. So he's falling. I'll say that much. Yeah. Are you in on Bueller? Does is there a price for you? All of a sudden, you're, you'll be interested in Bueller. Like I just don't know. I think it's like maybe All Star break before we see the real Walker Bueller. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is it's not just that he's back on the mound. We've mm -hmm. seen this before. Like it just because they're back and pitching doesn't mean that they're back and who they were before. Um, and that's going to be the case, I think for, for Walker Bueller, um, you know, and, and I actually think we're getting back into the territory of, you know, what I mentioned with like when I drafted Bryce, Bryce Harper at pick 180, like I'll take that risk um, at 120, no chance. Um, but once you start getting into that, like, what are we talking rounds 12 through, I don't know, 15, maybe um, if I can get greedy and try to get Bueller in the, in the low two hundreds, a lot of the people at that point are people that you don't, that don't have anywhere close to the ceiling that Walker Bueller does uh, as a pitcher. And so I'm, if I can get three months of Walker Bueller at, at peak Walker Bueller, 
uh, at who he was when he was, I mean, okay, let's throw out a two, four, seven ERA and, and 212 strikeouts, obviously. I mean, over the course of a full season in 2021, but if I can get three months of three, five and a hundred strikeouts during that time period, uh, that will play with whoever I draft to be the first half of the season guy that, you know, when Bueller's not out there. So if we're talking, if we, if that continues to fall, I think once we get into rounds 12 and beyond, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, and, and I'll take him and, and I mean, you can only take so many of these guys, That's but I'll take him. Throw him on one the risk, basically. Yeah. yeah. And it's way tougher with pitchers too. Cause every pitch is a risk. Like yeah. literally every pitcher you draft on your team is, is inherently risky because of <laughs> what pitching is. Yeah. Um, so that makes it tougher to do. And I'm with you. I think he, if he does start to fall enough, I would be way more open to the idea than I was before. Speaking of guys falling like crazy. And I just, I wish him the best. I, like I said at the beginning of the show, like I like too many of these Dodgers now. It really sucks. And Clayton Kershaw is one of them. As much crap as I will tweet out on a postseason game when he gives up six home runs, that's just the fun stuff as Giants fans. The dude's amazing. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. The guy's awesome. Dodgers are bringing him back. ADP is like 450-ish, 455. Had the shoulder surgery or whatever in, in uh, November. Like there's a lot of question marks. I just, I'm rooting for him. Are you just, are you going to even take a chance on this guy or is it we're just going to wait and see? Sure. I mean, on it, the typically the way that I do things when I draft NFBC leagues is my last three rounds are more or less me taking stabs at middle relievers that um, have a, you know, are, are probably like third on their depth chart. Cause in an NFBC league, like you're not getting the dude that's second on the depth chart at that point in the draft, unless he's like the Rockies number two, something like that. So I usually end my draft with like three of those stabs. So, you know, I don't know, maybe I'll take two of those stabs and then throw Kershaw on the bench and then I'll drop him two weeks later when I go pick up someone like that's the thing with, drafting someone like Kershaw, we're not going to hear anything positive until you've long dropped him. So right. unless you literally are committed to burning a roster spot for two months, three months in the hopes of hearing like, Oh, like Kershaw's on pace to pitch after the all-star break, which I think would be a miracle. Um, I just like, sure. If you, if you're just because you don't have anything else better that you can think of at that point in the draft, and you just want a guy that, you know, you can drop, which Actually, I think I did two years ago. I don't think it really worked out for me, but I drafted someone who was hurt. And I was like, I know I'm going to drop this guy before, and during that first fab run, but it gives you that person that you don't have to ask questions about. Like, true. yeah, I know I'll drop this guy. So I don't know. Victory cigar. <laughs> end of your draft. You earned it. Cigar type of player. Sure. But don't, yeah. don't, get, don't you're get not getting anything from, no, no, you're not getting anything from him this year. Let's talk bullpen real quick with the Dodgers. Evan Phillips looks like there's rumors like they're going to get this guy. They're going to get this guy. And so far, Evan Phillips is still the lone man standing in that pen, but there's still other discussions being held. Uh, he has an ADP of about 89 right now. So where are we at on Evan Phillips as a closer for the Dodgers? I just have to say, NFBC, if you could like di- differentiate between starting pitchers and relief yes. pitchers, like I get why – in the lineup, you don't. I love that, but it's really hard for me to see where this guy ranks among closers. Oh, yeah, um, yeah just like picture, like da da da, or that doesn't help. Yeah, exactly. Me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. I I think Evan Phillips. The conversation is exactly like Will Smith. Um. In that the ceiling is capped. Uh. The Dodgers are not a team that is going to have another Kenley Jansen type guy, where it's like he is always the ninth inning guy. I don't even think we would have still had a closer in that role as late as 2021 if it wasn't for the fact that we had Kenley Jansen, who was just like that dude. You know what I mean? Like if Kenley Jansen was someone who got traded in 2016, I'm sure even from then on, we would have been like a bullpen by committee type of team. Um, The Dodgers are very, very forward thinking in that way. And I don't think they care about like, oh, Evan Phillips is the closer. 
Um, he's going to get 25 saves, but I don't think he's going to get 35. So we're talking about, again, a guy with a very small band of uh, outcome and possibilities. And to your point, at any moment, the Dodgers could go out and get someone. I mean, they were linked to hater, you know, yeah. like they're clearly are, are uh, not content with just sitting there and just saying, great, our bullpen is set. And so you, you have a guy here who I don't think there's a world where he gets above 35 saves, but I think there's a lot of worlds where he has below 20 saves. Um, dominant pitcher, you know, like he's, he's so good that it's like, he might even be worth having on your team anyway. So it's not a complete write-off if you draft them and they get a, another closer. Um, but it's it's not he's not the type of closer that I want to pay up for. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to see. Like he's around Andres Munoz, who I think has much more of a hold on that bullpen. Um, Paul Seawald, same thing. Um, Alexis Diaz is like 20 picks ahead of him. I just, yeah, I I love Evan Phillips. Um, better real life pitcher than a than a fantasy pitcher. Uh, yep, for, right. because of that role thing i don't have any evan phillips i'm with you it's it's tough to, to stomach between just who they the other options there that goes like gratterall might get some we've seen kelly get some um you mentioned the hater thing they're linked to class a already like there's <laughs> something the dodgers or even kelly jansen has been rumored to potentially come back yeah, and i'm like there's I, I that's probably the long shot of the long shots but you never know these days yeah. um prospect wise like you guys have traded a few. You got a bunch. I don't know how many are close to being ready, but are there any that you think might have a fantasy? Like we're still waiting on Miguel Vargas someday. Uh, <laughs> we've seen Gavin Stone and some of those pitchers. Is there anything like Michael Grove is down there? Anybody we should be looking forward to this year? No, I, I, the Dodgers have, have now, I think really run through the guys who are, uh, near, you know, big league ready. Um, you know, I, I think the real interesting thing is going to be not for you to draft, but keep a close eye on when these guys come up to get their to get their chance in the rotation. Um, you know, Gavin Stone, River Ryan, um, Kyle Hurt. Um, these are guys that I think have a little bit of of juice. Well, I don't know. Gavin Stone may have shown that he doesn't, but you know, the pitchers have have come up and have, have figured things out. Um, it, there's no one in the minors that you're speculating and drafting on. I don't think. Um, and from, from hitters, I mean, really it's just Vargas and Andy Pajes and yeah. he's someone that like best case scenario. And I mean, like all of the pipe dream in the world, best case scenario is like a Teoscar Hernandez type, uh, but with worse average. Uh, and I just don't think we really have a need for that in our outfield. So I kind of get to the. I, I'm kind of thinking Pajes is someone that's going to get traded more so than than come up and be a real part of our lineup because I just don't like what like we literally signed a dude just like him. I just don't. I just don't yeah. see you know and right-handed power bat too. So no, I'm I'm not looking at the Dodgers uh, prospects at all uh, from a fantasy perspective this year. Yeah, after that T Oscar signing, it feels like Andy is going to be traded. Is what it feels like. Like he is uh, use that while you got it, like kind of chip type situation. And then that's what we've been doing. I mean, and just just sense. you know, you look at but like look at what they just did with Michael Bush, for example. Yep. Like Michael Bush is someone that if we had recorded this podcast a month ago, which is way too early him. for a team preview, we would be yeah. talking about Michael Bush right now. But I think the Dodgers have shown like we don't need the farm right now and we'll kick the can down the road and we'll turn a 25 year old second baseman into a 20 year old, you know, pitcher and, yeah. and just be like, Hey, we're not worried about this year uh, in terms of having that depth. Like let's make sure, you know, let's restock the farm. Cause we've traded everyone uh, there's to trade. So 
I, I think from a dynasty perspective, then the Dodgers prospects are interesting, but in redraft, nah. Yep, I'm with you. Last question I have for, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer on this one. What do you? What are your? What's your prediction for the Dodgers in 2024? Uh, 100 wins, <laughs> win the division. Uh, I I'll say that I think I think this is a year where teams can finally maybe hate us a little bit less um than usual i mean it's kind of tough to say that because we just went out and spent a bunch i was of money about to say it's gonna, there's gonna be a bullseye going around baseball when you spend that kind of money yeah 100 percent. and then the comments that team you know mookie Betts made or every our series yeah. the world series like that doesn't help like it doesn't but <laughs> like everyone we have is so damn likable you yes. know like mookie freddie uh tyler glasnow uh, shohei like the dude uh, is the come on <laughs> Like, it's just one of those things where I think everyone's going to root against us. Don't get me wrong. No one's rooting for us. Hell no. Yeah. But I think I think we're at least going to be a somewhat likable version of those, like, 90s and, and 2000 Yankees that, you know, the lineup was just, like, unreal. Like, oh, they got the, they went out and got Rodriguez. They went out and got, you know, whoever else. And, and it's just, like, they got Matsui. And it's like, come on, man. Like, what are we even doing? Like, what, let other teams have some players. But then you look at it and you're like, oh, but I – but I kind of like that guy. Like, I kind of want to, I kind of want to see that guy succeed. So I think, um, I think that's my biggest prediction for, for 2024. And I think also like the Padres are no longer like exciting, you know, so no one's going to root for them. Like the diamondbacks. Yes. They went to the world series. They're exciting. Their team's getting better. I'll say that much. No, they're, they're great. I mean, they're going to, they're going to make the playoffs again this year, but, um, giants suck. Rocky suck. There's something about Arizona that just isn't marketable. I don't know if it's if it's Arizona and and that's the answer and the Phoenix. I don't know if it's like the jerseys like because of what they used to be and could be, but they just lack I mean they have Corbin Carroll. They have exciting players. There's just something yeah. about the Diamondbacks. It's just not I don't know, dude. It's people not marketable. People don't run to them for baseball. That's what you're trying to exactly. say. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent they're the third most exciting team in their own city. You know, like no one no one in Phoenix cares about the Diamondbacks. Um sorry, you know, hate to say it, but Y'all are sons in, in Cardinal City first, and then and I then uh, time back. So love anyway, it. that's the way to end the show right there. Um, <laughs> Talking the, trash about other people, oh, other I'm fan all bases. I'm all about it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Especially when you're the dog. You just went full Mookie Betts after saying what Mookie Betts just said. Um, <laughs> uh, we got that going for you. Yeah, man. Uh, before we head on out, um, everybody, make sure you check out Miles on the Twitter at Miles Nelson PL. Uh, he does a lot, almost way too much of the back end stuff at pitcher list. So anything else you want to plug about the site and whatnot before we head on out of here, man, if you're still listening at this point, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> uh, in all seriousness though, like I, I really pitcher list is becoming a place I, I, and, and, you know, as we hope where people can get everything they need, um, baseball related fantasy, baseball, um, non-fantasy baseball, dynasty baseball. Like we we really want, um, to be the kind of place where people can, uh, whatever it is that you're looking for, whatever it is that you need for, for your league, for you to do well, like, like that we're able to provide that for you. Um, and so, you know, if there's ever anything that you're, you feel that picture list is missing that you feel we're not hitting, you know, the way that other sites are doing or anything like that, like we, and it's not even like a, well, we want to be the, the best, you know, we want to, uh, whatever. It's just from a place of like, we want to serve you the fans as best we can. So please don't ever hesitate to reach out to me and be like, I need this. This is something we, you know, that would be helpful for me because that's the kind of stuff we need to hear. So we know what we can do better for you every time. 
All right. Well, that'll do it, my friend. I appreciate me joining me. We'll have to we'll have to chat again sometime before Arizona this time. But uh, oh, for again, sure. Again, everybody, this was your 2024 Los Angeles Dodgers team preview with the one, the only Miles Nelson. Bench with Bubba, episode 651. Catch you all next time. <laughs>